0: Let's turn to the book of James, please, the book of James, chapter 3. Good to have you here today, especially those of you who may have returned from last week. That's pretty good if you would come back to a quick class two weeks in a row. All right, let's have a word of prayer, then we'll jump right into this material. Oh, Father, we are so in need of instruction from you, encouragement from you, Motivation, accountability, and Lord, you have not left us without all that is necessary for life and godliness. I'm looking forward to what you're going to teach us today uh, through your word. Oh, Father, I pray that you would filter from our minds human opinion, and may your will and your word only be remembered and applied to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so what's going on here is that the book of James is really about everyday faith. I've read a lot of commentaries, actually taught through this book many times over the years. And whoever you consult is obviously reading the same material because it's all about, James says, don't just tell me about it. Show me, Uh, which means probably he would have lived in Missouri if he had been living in our day and age and in our country, right? The show me state. But uh, James, in addition to saying, don't just tell me, show me, uh, in in the section that we're going to look at today, is going to even get below the surface of that into the motivation of how it is and why it is that we should be doing all the things that James insists that we do and just not talk about it. Now, I want to show you some pictures of oil wells. (laughs) Not that I own any of these things, but uh, petroleum has long been recognized as a great source, not only of energy, the way we do things these days, but also of wealth. Aha. So maybe you do own some of these things. And if you do, then you are probably in pretty good shape. Uh, I, I'm not here to, to be an, an advocate for the petroleum industry or to uh, inform you so much about it. Did you know the fifth largest uh, producer is Iran? Number four, China. Number three, Russia. Number two, us, United States. Uh, Only Saudi Arabia, and not by much, only Saudi Arabia produces more of this stuff at this point. But when we talk about the source of wealth and energy, there is something greater than these things. The source from which flows all the issues of our lives was identified by Jesus in his keynote address, the Sermon on the Mount. As I stood looking over the Sea of Galilee and what is very possibly the location for the uh, Sermon on the Mount, I was imagining that maybe if I listened carefully enough, I could hear the voice of Jesus teaching the multitudes on that day. Well, we know what he said, even though we may not know for sure exactly where he said it. But maybe it was right there that these words were uttered when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That came as a shock to his very external Uh, oriented audience. Those who were all about doing things, obeying the law. And yet Jesus, over and over again, if you look carefully at, at that Sermon on the Mount, those three wonderful chapters, was talking about the heart. It's the heart, the heart, the heart. And James is, strangely enough, going to be talking about the same thing in the passage that we're going to be looking at today even though he's about action he traces it to the heart as the real source is the real source actually last week we talked about everyday faith is a very audible thing it's very audible and those verses are a treatise on speech You may recall, James warned about uh, teaching if you don't really know what you're saying, which is probably something I should think about, right? Uh, Then also, uh, even seemingly insignificant speech can, can be turning points for good or for bad. We need to be very careful about our speech. Also, we learned that tongues can actually torch enormous wildfires We can disrupt families, churches, communities. Uh, Speech is a very, very powerful tool for good or for ill. Uh, It's obvious, therefore, that our our tongues must be tamed, but we can't do that. We, We saw last week that only God can do that. Only God can help us tame something as wild as a tongue. Now, at first glance... Uh, the concluding verses of chapter 3 might seem unrelated to what is almost like a stem-winder part of Scripture. I mean, he doesn't pull any punches about our speech in those first 12 verses. It's tough. It really is tough to read. But actually, verses 13 through 18, the concluding verses of chapter 3, are kind of like oil wells. Uh, They they are sources of great wealth for us. They're sources of the energy that we need to do the things that we're supposed to be doing. A wealth of understanding about not only speech, but lives that we live. I think there's a real connection between the first part of chapter 3 and the last part of chapter 3. If we're going to get control over our tongues, we need to keep reading in chapter 3 and see uh, what it is that's available to us as a source, or we might even say a resource to do that. It comes from the heart. As a matter of fact, uh, later in in, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 15 and verse 18, we read, what comes out of the mouth ah, proceeds from the heart proceeds from the heart, for this defiles a person. James, we might call him the inspired advocate of high energy and action. He wants us to know that everyday faith is in reality not only an audible thing, it is an attitude thing. I'm talking about the heart, a heart attitude. Now, I want you to be looking uh, through our, our, our time together today toward the final discussion question that we will have toward the end. And that is, if the heart is so important, how can we groom, prepare, change, do what's necessary to have a better heart so that the source is not itself polluted also? We need to talk about how that can take place. So keep listening. I think we'll have some good information in the text to guide us in that discussion later on. But it is true that good practice flows from a good heart. Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I see in in those verses a sharp contrast. There are sharply contrasting heart attitudes to be found in in those verses. First of all, uh, uh, an attitude of wisdom and understanding that he talks about. Uh, I hope our hearts are like that. Just yearning to always be a a source of of wisdom and, and understanding. But then there's also, mentioned a couple of times, uh, an attitude of jealousy and selfish ambition. These two things really have nothing in common. (laughs) Other than the fact that they, they, they can reside simultaneously in our own hearts. That's the conflict. That's the tension that we live with on a daily basis, unfortunately. Each of these attitudes... Each of these attitudes pumps out predictable products as surely as, wow, we have verified this is a good oil well. Let's pump it. You have a good idea what you're going to get as long as it's still down there and something to be pumped. We need to examine these hard attitudes. We need to look at each one of them. First of all, let's take a look at option number one, this, the, this attitude of, of wisdom and understanding. Uh, James says that this comes from above. While the uh, primary interpretation of the verse that I want to share with you, uh, a parallel verse, really is Old Testament in nature, it refers to a future time in the coming history of the nation Israel when they will be Spiritually revived. They will be saved. They will be restored in a saved condition. I do believe that uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 has an application for us. I will give you a new heart. That's how come Israel is going to be so different in the future. God says I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. Oh. We can be so hard-hearted toward the things that we ought to be doing and thinking and feeling. Do, do we need a new heart? Or do we at least need some, some new attention To the way our hearts have been neglected and how we've been abusing, giving attention to what's going on in our hearts. Now, this attitude uh, is not only from above, but it's, according to the the verse, it's characterized by wisdom. Meaning, uh, sound insight. Uh, uh, How do you understand the word wisdom? Wisdom. What would be a quick definition that you would give somebody, if you were having a discussion about this? How do you describe wisdom? Uh, proper application of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 often stated that, when I I don't think you can do better than that. Uh, a good, sound insight and skilled application of truth in practical situations. Uh, have you ever have you ever met the, the educated fool? <laughs> it's sad to see uh, I, I remember uh, meeting some people like that in the past and just saying how can you be that smart and so dumb at the same time you know, I'm not going to flush that out too much in case somebody might be listening uh, out there I, I, I don't, I don't want to tell secrets other than the fact it, 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 is, it is kind of frustrating when you run across that we need wisdom uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 30 You are in Christ Jesus, Paul wrote to these people. You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So this attitude that we really need, the heart attitude, the good heart, is one that is dominated by Jesus Christ by Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, this first option, this, this good attitude, this good heart option, is one that evidences good understanding as well. It's very often, I was, I was struck again as I was preparing for, for this class, how often the concept of wisdom and knowledge go together in Scripture. Well, one usually goes with the other when, when you see them mentioned. Uh, Understanding relates to uh, objectivity, uh, factual stuff, uh, the the work of the intellect here. God did give us brains, right? He really did, for a reason. So we, we, we we need to be sure that at the heart of things that we are using our minds correctly. Now, I, I, I read that that it is intellect. How how are we going to how are we going to make sure that in our hearts, intellectually speaking, that's right? That we got that part of our of our being correct. How how do you suggest we go about approaching that in a way that would please God? Yeah. Check it against the Bible, but maybe something even better than that, Ian? Get it, from the Bible. Get it from the Bible. But you're both right, of course. Not everything that we run across every day happens to be a Bible verse. We come across all kinds of information that hits the mental grid, and we just have to figure out, what are we going to do with that? Is that acceptable or unacceptable? How are we going to evaluate that? Christianity, biblical Christianity is constant evaluation, isn't it? It's sifting, it's sorting and sourcing as well. Good. You know, Jesus prayed for his disciples in these terms. Sanctify them. Make them holy. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So yes, we need to be Uh, not only sanctified by the word of God, but saturated by it as well. I don't think I've ever met anybody who had too much of the word of God. I know I'm not that person, sadly. Now this, this kind of a hard attitude, it produces things. That's, that's, That's the point of James. You have to have the good heart to have the good results. And the the text itself states that this produces goodness and meekness. Now, we know about goodness. We know about good works. But good works, as we see in the text, good works are not enough. They are to be done in a spirit of meekness or humility. I like a lot of verses on the subject. Uh, But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 is, is a very helpful one. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, humility, meekness. Jesus was meek and mild. So we we understand that Jesus, in all that he said and did, was also strong, and he was bold. So let's let's get a proper view of what meekness and humility is about. But for sure, meekness takes the eyes off us, our capabilities and our strengths, and I deserve the credit if I do this thing. Somebody Better be sure that they notice when I've done a good thing, or I'm going to be very upset about that. So what's the alternative to attitude option number one? Uh, Well, it's number two in our case. This alternative is an attitude of jealousy and selfish ambition. Well, James very frankly, describes this, this attitude, this hard attitude, as earthly, unspiritual, demonic. wonder what he really meant by that. This jealousy business. This is, this is bitter envy in this context. It's a bitter envy situation. And uh, I was kind of surprised in researching the selfish ambition terminology, actually translates an expression related to, get this, spinning wool. Huh? Can, can you possibly connect those dots? Do you have any idea how that might work? Well, I suppose you could spin wool for a lot of different reasons back in that day and age, right? Because you needed the stuff And who knows, maybe Walmart wasn't open when you needed it. So you had to make your own. Or you might be spinning wool in order to produce a commodity to be marketed. That's the thinking of the connection here is that doing things for a wrong motive could be the motive of personal gain. Are we just spinning out the things in our lives for what we can get out of it? Sometimes that is it. Guilty? I've done that. I haven't heard the expression for a little little while. You know how these expressions kind of go through the vocabulary from... uh, decade to decade. You have to learn a new vocabulary all the time. When I was growing up, I had to figure out, what did my kids mean when they said that? Well, what does that mean? Full of yourselves. The, 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 I heard that expression quite often for a while, back 10 or 15 years ago. But that's what we're talking about here. This attitude number two, this second option, is just, we're full of ourselves. We, we really don't much care about other people as long as we make sure that our objectives, our goals, our feelings, especially our opinions, are not only honored, but people acquiesce to them as well. Because after all, we all know, I'm right. Now, of course, they don't have any entitlement to think that they are. And so on it goes. Selfish ambition. Jesus made it so clear we must deny ourselves. My opinion doesn't count, and neither does yours. James says that this attitude also has products, produces disorder. Of course it does, because not everybody's going to agree that we're always right. And uh, an- another product of, of, this, of, this, of this attitude, and this is kind of like the catch-all category here, it produces every vile practice. Jealousy and selfishness is at the heart of every nasty thing. And that's an inspired opinion from James. Everyday faith is indeed, you see, an attitude thing. It is an attitude thing. In light of the two contrasting attitudes that we've just looked at, I suggest a good dose of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. May this be a prayer that we pray regularly. Search me. O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Aren't you glad that not everybody can read your mind or look into your heart. But God does, and we need to acknowledge it and say, oh God, tell me what you see there and help me to change whatever needs to be changed because it is from the heart that everything else comes out. Good practice flows from a good heart. That's what we just saw. The the concluding uh, words... Of this section revolve around this thought that an attitude of purity produces a harvest of righteousness. Verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. But a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But this first thing, James says, first, it is pure. First, pure. There's nothing mysterious about this word when you look at it. Especially if you get out your lexicon and take a look at what the word is. It's really holiness. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1, it says, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Can we say that holiness, purity, is our constant priority and our constant pursuit? While the attitude to be desired is purity or holiness, James declares that this does not stand alone, but there's linkage. It comes as a package. If there's real purity, if there's real holiness as the goal and as the commitment, then we have these other issues that will also be addressed in our lives. We'll be peaceable people, loving and seeking peace. We'll be gentle people, that is, kind, tolerant, and considerate, like all of the people you know, right? Yeah, all the time. We'll be open to reason, that is, submissive and yielding. Oh, that's right, yeah. You ever seen the commercial Mr. Generous on TV? Oh, no, you go first, you go first, you go first. No, oh, please, I I insist. Can you imagine a world like that, right? Full of mercy. People who want the purity and the holiness found in the word of God will be people who are full of mercy. Compassion and pity, you see. Full of good fruit. This is an attitude of being productive. Not doing minimal stuff. But wanting to be fruitful in the things of God. That's at the heart of things. We want to be productive. Being impartial. The word actually here means non judgmental. That doesn't mean we have no standards, but we're not going to impose our opinion and our standard on somebody else. We'll be impartial because we're biblical about things, sincere, to be without hypocrisy. Uh, such attitudes as these produce an abundant harvest of righteousness. And it's re-emphasized that this kind of harvest is possible only when the sowing is done in peace. It would be nice if we could live a whole day in peace, right? Relaxed, trusting God. Relaxed, not arguing. Relaxed, not unnecessarily confronting people. And not unnecessarily irritating people. To be at peace and to seek it. Peace is a high priority in Scripture. A high priority. Paul said we are called unto peace. The matter of righteousness is commonly misunderstood. I just want to say this. When we talk about righteousness, we're not talking about how to earn your eternal life. For for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. But at the same time, we also recognize the scriptures to teach. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's make sure that we understand that very, very carefully. James chapter 3 tells us that everyday faith is an audible and an attitude thing. And in this concluding section, we have seen the the importance of the heart. So Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay, now's the time. You've been storing up all of your wisdom and observations through our little class time today. How does that work? How do we keep our hearts? How how are we going to do that when we walk out of this place? And if you just happen to remember something we talked about here in this class, how do you propose to put it into practice? How does that work? Exactly. Yes, it can't be ourselves. And if it's not ourselves, it has to be of the Lord. Do you remember the two things that we, we, we passed by rather quickly? Remember the centrality of Christ in all of this? He has become to us wisdom. And then we had this little combination discussion here the source of things must be the Word. Well, are, are we done? I think we're done. But we have to stand together and pray together. And this is our concluding prayer. Let's stand together and join me in this concluding prayer. Reading together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And all of God's people said.